The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masikat Shekalim has been dedicated by Dr. Isaac Meddeb and his wife Lily in memory of Moshe ben Nachel Man. We hope that the learning of the 22 Dapim of Masikat Shekalim will be a a ilui neshama for the niftar Moshe ben Rachel. Tehi nishmatot zerura b'tzol ha'chayim. Amen. Daf Yud Dalid. Today's daf has been dedicated anonymously and in honor and memory of Hacham Baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem tanichem began Eden. Amen. We are starting today's daf on Yud Gimel Amud Bet. And we are on the bottom line. So we learned in our Mishnah, one of the appointees in the Bet um, HaMikdash was a fellow by the name of Nechunyah. And his job was to dig the cisterns and the wells in order to provide water for the Oled Galim, for the people that came up to Yerushalayim on the holidays. So the Gemara says, He used to dig. The cisterns and the and the wells or the in the caves which are underground. and he knew kef mekorar maya. He knew from which rock kef is a rock. He knew from which rock comes out cold water. kef shar And he knew from which rock you can get hot water. Furthermore, and he, and he knew exactly how hot uh, each rock, the water from it gets. So he also knew the temperature of uh, the heat that would uh, emanate from each rock. Amar Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, But eventually his son died from dehydration. How could that be? A man that was so careful in the mitzvah providing water for the Aleda Galim, and then his son should die from nothing less but dehydration. So the Taklin Hatin over here says a very important klal. On the third line, Umet ki me'od. On the trait that a person is very careful on, if he becomes a little deficient in that midah, so he gets punished more severely. Which means since he adopted this mitzvah of providing water, so now Bore Olam judges you on that mitzvah more meticulous than somebody else, because that's your mitzvah. So it could be that he was lax a little. We're, as for another person, it might not have been considered laxity. But because the was the Hafir Shahinu Ma'arat, so therefore even a little pegam, a little deficiency in the Midah, brought a severe punishment. And he brings a ra'ayat uh, to this over here from a different Gemara, where the Gemara says how uh, one of the rabbis was very careful, Rabbi Al-Azab Rabbi Shimon. He was very careful in the respect of Hachamim. One day he heard that somebody was mezalzel with a rabbi, and he didn't rebuke him. And Borealam punished him greatly. Right? Because that was his mitzvah. He was very careful when it came to 
you know, uh, respecting Achamim. So for the one time that he kept quiet when somebody uh, embarrassed the rabbi, so he got punished again severely. Comes again, says, Amar Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina taught, Man de Amar Rahmana Vatran. Somebody that says, God is a Vatran, meaning he's lax. Uh, he doesn't uh, meet out judgment. Even though a person sins, Borei Olam says, eh, he lets it slide. Anybody that says that, Yitvatiran Benemeoi. So what happened to him, God will uh, soften his intestines, which means he'll get diarrhea. Which means, uh, the way the um, Taklin Hatin explains, uh, the Pasuk writes, Hu Asechai Baikonenecha. Pasuf says that God created us. established us in a certain way. Means if the bowels or the intestines, if they don't work correctly, it's impossible to live. So therefore he says, just like the whole life of a person is dependent on his intestines. So to all the worlds, the world that we live in, and the upper worlds, the heavens, they're all dependent on what? Either to create them or to destroy them. So therefore, if a person comes along and says, ah, there's no, uh, doesn't do anything. So he doesn't understand the damage that Averot does to the world. And therefore he thinks, he lets them slide because what do they do anyway? So you do not understand how Averot destroy the worlds. God will destroy the Olam Katan. A human being is considered a miniature world. And how does he destroy the Olam Katan? By taking his intestines. And therefore, as we said, that's considered destroying the person. Ela, you know what you're allowed to say? Ma'arikh ruheh. You're allowed to say that God is patient, meaning He might not punish somebody right away for his sins, He's patient. But then eventually He takes He takes payment. He takes payment to Him. Comes the the, uh, the Taklin explains a little deeper here. He says that the, the payment is taken from the sin itself. Because when a person sins, it's if he creates angels that are, that are um, negative angels, bad angels. And those angels themselves come and uh, attack the person. But he says, Borealam is patient. The Pasuk says, uh, God does not destroy. He has great patience controlling his af. Af is anger. There's an, ang- there's an angel called Malach Af. So Borei Olam does not destroy immediately, but eventually he does not just let it slide, as we said. Amar of Aha Ketiv. We have a pasuk Usbibav Nisara Meod, which literally means those that are close to him are in turbulence. Sa'ara is like a windstorm or turbulence. So the Gemara is Doresh, this Pasuk. Those people that are close to Borei Olam, they get judged with like the uh, strand of a hair. Which means they get judged on every little thing. The bigger a tzaddik is, the more perfect the person is, so therefore his judgment is 
uh, that much greater. And he writes over here in the Taklin, Velachen Hayu Yireim Tzadikim Arishonim Shemi Yigromachet. That's why the great Rishonim, the Tzadikim, they're always scared. Maybe one of their sins is going to cause for them problems. Afhet Kolbehu, even a minor sin. Why is God so meticulous with them in this world? God does it in order to protect them from major sins. Which means God doesn't even want to get them to the, the threshold of sin. So therefore, once even there's a small little thing, He gets the tzaddikim. To keep them tzaddikim. So they don't, they don't do worse. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar lo he says, not from this pasuk. I call it another pasuk that teaches us how careful God is with the tzaddikim. Ela min venorahu al God is awesome, or God's awe is manifest when on those that are surrounded by Him. Morao ala kerovim yoter His awe is seen on the closer ones more than the further ones. Because those that are close to him, as we said, they get judged more severely. Rabbi Haggai, B'Shem Rabbi Shemuel Bar Nachman, Ma'aseh B'Hasid Ehad, Sheaya Chofer, Borot Shichin Umarot, Le'ovrim V'Shavim. So there was once a fellow, he used to dig the wells, the cisterns, for the people that were passing, to drink water. Pamahat Hayta Bito Overet L'Hinnaseh. One time, his wife, was, his daughter of this fellow, was passing to get married. <laughs> she was walking. And she got uh, drowned by a raging river. <coughs> so now everybody went to this Hasid, or this fellow, yeah, Hasid, in order to console him. And they tried to be minahimim. But he could not accept consolation. After all, he was so careful on giving water, and now his daughter should die in water. So Rabbi Pinchas bin Ya'ir went to visit him as well. And he wanted to console him. And still, he did not accept Nahama. Amar Lon, so Rabbi Pinchas bin Ya'ir told the people of the city, this is your Hasid over here. What kind of Hasid is this guy? Uh, Hasid normally would accept the judgment of God. Says, uh, what kind of Hasid is this over here? This is your Hasid of the city? Amru Rabbi. So they said, Rabbi, Kach vekach haya oseh, vekach vekach irahle. Says, what do you mean? It's very hard. This is what he used to do, and this is what happened to him. Which means there's a stirah, a contradiction over here. How can he be so careful in the water? And what? His daughter should die from the water? Amar. So when Rabbi Pinchas heard this, he said, Ifshar, shayam mechabedet bor'o b'mayim, v'hu mekapeho b'mayim? Rabbi Pinchas also couldn't understand it. He said, is it possible that this man was so careful when it came to the water, he served God with water, and God now should punish him with water? Miyad nafla havara b'ir. All of a sudden, a tumult broke out in the city. And you know, a, a voice, voices started to come out and see the talk spread. Bat bito oto ha'ish. The girl came back. Huh? She was alive. What happened? Ita amre besukta etarit. Some say she landed on a branch and she was able to stay afloat in the waters. 
ואיתא אמרי מלאך ירד כדמות רבי פנחס בן יאיר והצילה and some say an angel in the image of רבי פנחס בן יאיר went down to the waters in order to save her what's the pshat over here once רבי פנחס בן יאיר was the gadol ador said it can't be so in the bed din של מעלה the bed din said of the hachamim on earth say that it's not Mr. Bear, it doesn't make sense for this to happen, so Borei Olam suspends his judgment to the will of Gidolei Yisrael. So the Yibar says, it doesn't make sense. What else doesn't make sense? So we'll go down and save him. Comes the Gemara and continues. Gibini Kiros, one of the appointees in the Mishnah, was a fellow by the name of Gibini. And he was the Kiros, he was the one that made the announcement. So it says, well, what did he announce exactly? Shayam machriz bebet ha-mikdash. They used to make the announcements at the Bet ha-mikdash. Ma'ya omer, emdu ha-kohanim la-avodah. He would be the one that uh, would uh, call the kohanim up in the morning to go start the service. Uv'yim l'duchanam. And uv'yim prepare yourself to stand by the dukan and sing. Yisrael ma'amadam. And Yisrael to stand by the korban to watch it. Agrifas ha-melech shama' kodo ad het parsaot. Wow. It was so loud, this announcer, that Agrifas the king was able to hear um, the, his voice eight parsaot away. And because of that, he thought it was a very big talent. He gave him a lot of gifts. The Taklin says, the government Vilna as well, that there's another Gemara that says his voice traveled ten parsaot. But the Gebaran just said over eight parasot, because that's where Agnifas happened to be. He was by eight parasot away, but don't think it was his voice carried even further than that. Now, we said, does it give us a, a, a mileage on the eight parasot? One Eighteen and a half to twenty-four miles. That's how far his voice carried. Ben Gever al Ne'ilat Sha'arim. So one of the fellows in the Mishnah, was Ben Gever. He was in charge of the gates. Locking the gates and opening the gates. Right? So what the Gemara is going to do is like this. It's going to now discuss the Mishnah in Masechet Yoma. Where also the name uh, Ben Gever or Gever is used. So in the Mishnah in Yoma, we don't know is Gever a person or is Gever a rooster. Because sometimes the Mishnah uses the word Gever as a rooster. So we're going to try to prove from our Mishnah that, well, over here is definitely a person. Oh. Yeah, a rooster didn't close the gates of the Beit HaMikdash. So if it says Ben Gever, I think Al-Cha'arim was a man. So we want to prove that just so the Mishnah in the second Yomah, when it says Gever, is also referring to a person and not a rooster. Nice. What's the proof? Tergem Rav, Rav interpreted Kumeh Debet Rabbi Right in front of in the Bet Midrash of Rabbi Shela, Kara Gabra says in Mishnah Yoma, the Gabra called out, Achriz Keroza, and made the uh, announcement in the Bet Hamikdash. Amar le Emor Kera Tanegola. When it says over here the Gabra called out, it's referring to the rooster. Then the morning the rooster would, you know, he was the uh, alarm, alarm clock. Amar le, so he said, what do you mean? That Taninan ben Gever. What do you mean? We learned in the Mishnah Chikalim that when he uses the word Gever, it's a person. Ben Gever was in charge of the gates. Itach lebebar, bar tanigola. 
What do you mean? What do you think? It's Bantan, it's Zadikul, I think it's the, 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 the son of the, uh, the rooster? Of course not. It's my given, it's, it's a person. Yeah. So just like over here, given means a person, so too in Yoma, when it says there was a given made the announcement, it's a person and not a rooster. Now, Ben Babai, Alapakia. Ben Babai was in charge of the wicks of the Bet HaMikdash. What did he do? Shayam Mizayeg Petilot. Mizayeg, the Taklin explains, he used to make them all even. All the same size. So you have, he do the mitzvah. So they all would, you know, they would light the same amount. It seems like the same thickness and the same length. They would all look the same and also have the same uh, light from each one. The Kufra. The Biyose went to a city called Kufra. Ba'u mimanya alehon panasim. So he wanted to point over the city, Panasim leaders, leaders that take care of the welfare of the people. So he wanted to appoint these leaders, Velok Belun Minhon. But they didn't want to accept it. Why didn't they want to accept it? So the Taklin explains, because of the principle of, when we learned the Mishnah Perkehavot, Usna Etarabanut. Which means you're not supposed to run after positions of power. Veratsul Librawa Ahmed And they wanted to run after the Kavod, these guys. So the rabbi went to the Parnasim to try to impress upon them to take the job. He told them, Ben Bebai Alapakia. Ben Bebai was the guy in charge of the Bet HaMikdash of the wicks. Seemingly had a small little job. He was in charge of the wicks. But what? The Mishnah lists him with all the Gedolim. Which means all the other great uh, people that worked in the Metta Megad. Ben Bebai is, is already now associated with these great people. And that's because he only served Klai Yisrael for making wicks. Imagine you people now. You're going to be involved in saving lives. After all, you're the leaders of the community. You're going to be taking care of the welfare of the community. All the more so. Do you know what a zikut is and what a privilege is? Ben Bebai is recorded with the tzaddikim, or the more so, you by doing much more than wicks, you're going to have a great, uh, a great faith. So therefore, he was trying to impress upon to take the job. Ben Arza ala tzilzal. Ben Arza was in charge of the tzilzal. The Taklin Hatin explained on the Mishnah, uh, tzilzal is a symbol. He says the word symbol. Dreams had symbols that would you know, uh, crash them together, so that the Vim would know that they start the shir. Mara says, taman. Like we learned over there, Heni Fasegan Bisudarim. You had the vice Kohen that was standing by the Qurban. When the Qurban was already brought on the Mizbah and they were about to pour the wine, so he would give a signal with a Sudan with a handkerchief, he would wave it, in order to let Ben Arzah know that we're ready for the Levi'im. So there was a signal. He got the signal from the Mizbah and then he would you know, bang the symbols, then the Levim would start the Shir. Hugras bin Levi ala Shir. Now, Hugras bin Levi was in charge of the choir. He was in charge of the songs of the Levim. Amar, Rav Aha. Rav Aha said, Ni'ima yitera haya yodaya. Meaning, he had a very melodious voice. Ni'ima. Very melodious voice. The Amru Alav. Al Hugras bin Levi, and they said regarding Hugras bin Levi, Shayam manimit kolo bezemir, that he used to make his voice sound beautiful. His voice was even able to sound like an instrument. Wow. 
How? He would put his thumb in his mouth in a certain position. Many different sounds of like uh, uh, instruments would come out. That you call Ehava Kohanim, and all the Kohanim, his brothers, Nizkarin Lo Bebatrosh, which means they were taken aback, right. which is they were so uh, startled by the sounds that he was able to make, it's so therefore great, great they jump back, right? So that's the way the, uh, yeah. they explain it. Okay. Now, Bet <coughs> Garmu. So we said that the family of Garmu, Al So they were in charge of the Lehamapanim, the showbread. Mm-hmm. They, first of all, were experts in making the lehamapanim. As we know, the lehamapanim were not just regular loaves of bread. Mm-hmm. They had a very That's special okay. shape that was very difficult to, to make. Harder than making the show bread was getting it out of its pan. Mm-hmm. Because they were baked in pans. But since they were hollow on the inside, so you had to you know, scoop it from the bottom oh. and take it out of the tray. But the chokmah was to take it out of the chair without it breaking. breaking. Yeah. So the, the chokmah was not only baking the bread, but the diatapat. You know, taking it out. But they didn't want to teach anybody. This was a family secret that they didn't want to share the secret how to do it with anybody else. So the rabbis sent. They went to Alexandria in Egypt and they brought experts. In order to make the lehem uh, panim, shayu bekiim maaseh lehem panim. These guys from Alexandria were experts in the lehem panim. Ubridiato la yu bekiim, but they couldn't get it out of the uh, the trays. Every time they would get out of the trays, it would just break somehow. So bet garmu. The Gemara tells us the difference between bet garmu and those guys from Alexandria. Bet garmu ayu masikim mibifnim. Now we're going to read our text. I want you to know that the. The Taklin and the Gaon they had a different yeah. text. We'll follow the text that's written in our Gemara. Mm-hmm. They were masik b'mifnim, meaning they baked the bread inside the oven. Verodin mibachutz. And then after the bread is fully baked, they would take the tray out of the oven. And when it's out of the oven, they were able to make the ridiyat out of the tray. Mm-hmm. So the reason why that was very advantageous is because they would wait till the bread is fully baked. So once the bread is fully baked, then they take it out of the oven and they make the ridiyah. Since it was fully baked, it did not spoil. The ilu, the elu, but the guys from Alexandria, The problem is, they were not able to take the tray out and make the ridiyah out of the oven. They were only able to make the ridiyah in the oven. But what would happen? They would make uh, the ridiyah in the oven. The bread wasn't baked yet. Mm. It wasn't fully baked. So what would they do? They would make ridiyah tapat on not full baked bread. So when they took it out, it was still raw. What would end up happening to the bread? It would get spoiled. Uh, so they would catch 22. They could only make ridiyah when it was inside. But they would only make ridiyah before it was fully baked to get it out. Once they got it out already, it was too, you can't put it back in. And then it would turn in, it would spoil. So it seems that the chokhmah bet karma was, the ridiyah was able to be done outside the oven. If it was fully baked. How says that it was, it was, like, yeah, it, would it, crack. Would, it would crack once it's fully baked. Correct, that was the chokmah, that they didn't break apart right. by bed garden. They would do it when it was soft, mm-hmm. and crack, but not baked. Perfect. When oh, the hachamim found out that only the bed garden family is able to do this over here, and these guys from Alexandria can't do the job. Amru, kol ma'ash shabara kadosh baruchu, lichbodo bara. 
everything that a Kadosh Baruch Hu created, he created for his honor. Which means, uh, these people over here, mm-hmm. they have this talent. God gave them this uh, you know, skill, and therefore the skill was given to them to serve God, mm-hmm. and therefore what they want to say is, if we have to pay them more money, we'll pay them more money just to get them to do the job. Call Pa'al Hashem, anything that God created in the world, I mean, any talent that He gave to human being, the Ma'anehu, it's in order to serve. So what did they do? They sent to Bet Karmu, you know, to, to, to go start working again. They said, they don't want to come back. They hired the guys from Alexandria, let the guys from Alexandria do it. Until they doubled their salary. Originally used to get 12 mana. They doubled them to 24. Some said that they took it from 24 to 48. How come you don't want to teach anybody this uh, tradition of how to make the lehma panim? We have a tradition from our forefathers. That this Bet HaMikdash eventually is going to be destroyed right. We don't want anybody, to, we don't want the, the recipe to get into the wrong hands And then the people after the Bet HaMikdash are going to use this special recipe to make it in front of Abodah Zarah So we're preserving it, we don't want this to get into the hands of the wrong people When they said these words over here, then already we praise them Which means we realize that the reason that they were holding it back was not selfish reasons they were holding it back because they didn't want it to get into the wrong hands. Now, oh, Now, regarding the following things, On the following, as the Gemara is going to quote now, we also praise them. Why? In their family, they never would eat clean white bread. Why? Because they didn't want to be suspicious in the eyes of the people. Which means, in the lehma panim was beautiful, solid, nikiyah, clean bread. They would make sure in their homes never to have clean bread. Because they were worried that the people might say, Oh, look at these guys. They, they're eating from the lehma panim. So they would always have black bread in their house. To be above... The suspicion of the people. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara is saying over here, they praise for this over here. That what? They never would have, how careful they were that the people shouldn't talk about them. Bet Aptinas, the family of Aptinas, they were in charge of making the incense. Pitu means the mixing of the ketoret. You have to make the, mix the spices. But they were really expert. There was a certain herb that was called Ma'ali Ashan. That was the name of the herb. And what does the herb do? When you stick it into the ketoret, it causes the smoke to go straight up like a stick. Normally, uh, a smoke, it dissipates. You know, it just goes from side to side. This Ma'ali Ashan herb would take the smoke of the ketoret straight up like a stick. So that was the Chokmah. They knew exactly where the herb was. 
They didn't want to tell anybody about it. They didn't want to teach anybody. Shalhu vevi umanim Alexandria. So again, they sent to Alexandria to get Shul uh, Misraim to get uh, experts. They knew the pitum They were able to mix the spices. But they didn't know about this herb called the Maalei Ashan herb. Mm-hmm. The bet aptinas ketoret would go straight up like a stick. And then when it would come down, it would spread out. These guys in Alexandria would spread out from the beginning. The rabbis found out the difference between these guys. Listen, everything that God created, He created for His honor. Anything that uh, has my name was called, and my name is created for my honor. And therefore, if we have to pay them more money to do the job, that's for Sobore Olam. We skip the parentheses. They said after they don't want to come. Until they doubled their salary. They jumped from 12 to 24. They jumped from 24 to 48. How come you don't want to teach the Ketoret? We have a tradition from our forefathers. That the Beit Hamikdash eventually is going to be destroyed. Again, we don't want this to get into the wrong hands, and then the people are going to use it for avodah zarah. So therefore, we keep the family secret. Regarding the following items, maskirin otam l'shevah. The hakamim mention them. They praise them. Why? Shelo yatsat isha mishel echad mehem mebusemet meolam. The ladies of the Bet Abtinas family never went out in the marketplace with besamim on, with perfume on. Why? Because they didn't want the people to say, oh, they're using the ketoret for besamim, for perfume. So again, so to be above the uh, scrutiny of the people, their family, the woman would never wear besamim. When somebody from the Bet Abtina's family would marry, you know, an outsider from a different place, they would make a stipulation before they got married. That was the, the exact, that was the condition. I only marry you on the condition that you tell me you're not going to wear besamim. Perfume. Perfume, why? So the people shouldn't say that from the ketoret uh, spices, that's where they're getting you know, the fragrance from. To fill the, fulfill the pasuk that says you have to be clean, above scrutiny, in the eyes of God, and in the eyes of people. Amar mm-hmm. Yosef. says, one time I was standing in Yerushalayim, and uh, I saw a young child that came from the family of Abtinas. What family are you from? Yeah, from this family. Mm-hmm. Your ancestors, since their kavanah was what? To promote their own kavod, because they didn't want to give the recipe out. 
they wanted to promote their own kavod, and they wanted to minimize the kavod of Shamayim, buy it. What happened? What happened? Their kavod was nitma'it, which means they lost their position. And there's some learn this kavod shamayim as it's euphemism, it's saginahor. And the kavod shamayim was also nitma'it, which means when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, so the Kivot Shabbat also went down. But some learned it that no, Kivot Shabbat was Nitrabeh with the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Because when the Goyim saw that Borei Olam does not show favoritism to any nation, that even when the Jewish people do something wrong, Borei Olam punishes them. So what they were trying to say is, uh, your ancestors, they kept the secret to, to themselves, and therefore, look what happened. You lost uh, your job, and the Beit HaMikdash got destroyed. Borei Olam's honor was promoted, and your honor of the family was demoted. So comes the Gemara uh, and says, Amar Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, Shimon ben Luga. He says, Shimon ben Luga told me, This one day I was picking uh, herbs. And he happened to be a child there from the family of Abtinas. I saw he was crying, the kid, and then he was laughing. What are you crying for? Because I because our family business, the, the, the family uh, honor was diminished. After the Beta Magdash, that's what the family lost its uh, job of making the Ketor, and it seems that the Kavod of the family went down. So I'm crying uh, about our family. So why are you laughing? Because I know that our kavod is going to be restored. We're going to get our job back. When the Beit HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt, ah, our job is going to go back to its original uh, position. So the Gemara says, Why now? Why all of a sudden now you're laughing? What, what reminded you of your family's uh, position? He says, He says, Because I'm, I'm standing in front of the Ma'alehashan herb. And therefore, when I saw the Ma'aleashan herb, so I remembered my family's position. So, no mitilo, so he says, so I asked him, Beni, had Euni, show me the herb, where's the Ma'aleashan herb? Amali Rabbi, Mesoret, Piyadim, Avotai. We have a family tradition or a swear that we made each other swear, Shelon, Haroto, Lebereyahu, that we're not going to show it to human beings. We cannot show it. Amar Rabbi Hanab bin Nuri, Pagabi Zakene Had, Beshebet Abtinas. There was once an old man from the family of uh, Abhinas, Umigilat Samanim Biyado. He had a book, a Megillah, with all the names of the spices in the book, where they're found, and what they look like. Uh, he had a, a recipe book of all the Samim. They called it Megillat Samanim. Amar Li, so he told me this fellow, Rabbi, the Sha'avar Ayubit Abad Sinu'in. Originally, our family, they were very modest and discreet. And we used to pass around the book to the family. Because we trusted everybody that they're not going to give it to any outsiders. However, But now that our family is not the Iman anymore, we can't trust our family with the book. So therefore, Hilach at you take the Megillah. Now what do we see from this story? 
We see from this story, really, that Bet Apinas was Nashem Shamayim. Because you see, once already the family lost its integrity, they gave the book out again. They gave the book to somebody else. And now you see what? That originally when they were only holding the book, it was so it doesn't get into the wrong hands. But now once the family could not be trusted anymore, they gave the book to the rabbi. So the Gemara says, he says, when I came to tell the story for the Akiva, Rabbi Hanam Menuri said, when I came to tell the story for the Akiva, what happened? Rabbi Akiva started to cry. From now on, we do not mention them in a disparaging manner. Because really, we see that they were the Shem Shavayim. They see they gave up the book. And then you must see that the original one they didn't give up the book was because they were just concerned that it doesn't get into the wrong hands. El Azar ala parochet. Al-Azhar was in charge of what? Making the curtains for the Beit HaMikdash. Shaya memuneh al-Urge Parochet. He himself didn't make the, uh, the, the curtains. He was in charge of the weavers that would make the kentel. He was the manager. Benhas HaMalbish. Benhas was in charge of dressing the Kohanim. Shaya Malbish Begdekeuna Gedula. Meaning he was in charge of dressing the Kohanim, he was the valet yeah. of the uh, Kohanim. And some explain also he would measure them and make sure the clothes fit. And the Gemara is going to show us how this is a very hashub job. We get paid money for this. He dressed a certain uh, jar, a, a, a sar, certain military uh, official or officer. He dressed him in his garments. Uh. <laughs> He paid him eight uh, gold coins for the uh, for the service. The eat the amrin then asar yaibne. And some say gave him twelve coins. So you see, this is a hashuv job over here to dress the hashuv people. Halakha bet. We start now the next mishnah. En pochatin mishvaa amalkolin. Now we're going to discuss the officials in the Beit Hamikdash. So there was a certain system of. Uh, management and middle management and the higher uh, management. So the Gemara says you had a minimum of seven amarkelin. Those are seven supervisors, which means managing the uh, you know the Beit Hamikdash, the ones that walk around with the keys. They have to have at least seven. Ushlosha gizbarin, and you have to have at least three people in the treasury. The en osin sedara alamamon. You have to add the word alamamon asibur ta'ot mishnayim. When you're dealing with Mamon Sibur, when you're dealing with the monies of the community, you cannot have less than two people that are involved. No, two it says. Two, yes. Less than two. Meaning you need at least two people. You cannot have one person running all the treasury of the Kodesh. Chutz, there was two exceptions where they let one guy run the uh, the monetary issues. Who was that? Chutz ben Ahya al we learned in our Mishnah earlier, Ben Ahayah was in charge of the intestines of the Kohanim. What do you mean in charge of them? He was the doctor there. He would get them the special wine and the special things that cured their intestines. Now that's a monetary position, you've got to go buy from the Higdish, you have to buy the medicine. They trusted him with the money to go do it. And El Azar who spent the money to go pay for the curtains. These guys, they were accepted by the majority of the Sibur. But besides these two, any person that had a, a job in the Beit HaMikdash that, that had to spend money, you need two people, again, for, to overlook on each other to make sure that there is um, 
dishonesty. Comes Gemara and says, "En pohatin megimel gizbarim." Avi Mishnah says, "We quote from the Gemara: You need at least three gizbarim. Those are the people in charge of the treasuries of the Bet Hamikdash. You're emptying out the terumot, etc., and the shekalim. There, when you're managing the the funds of the Bet Hamikdash, umizayin amarkolin, and you have seven on top of them. You have." The three gizbarim, mm-hmm. and you have seven like managing the people under them. Tani mishne kitlikin, and over the seven you had two overseers. So you have two overseeing the seven, overseeing the three. Mm-hmm. So again, you had higher management, middle management, and lower management. Hadau dichtiv. So the Gemara is going to give a remez to this in a pasuk. Now, what does the pasuk say? Pasuk says, this was in the times of Hizkiyah uh, Melech. It's going to say how he appointed different people in the Beit HaMikdash. So it says, V'hi'el v'azaziyahu v'nahat Those three, Gebrach says Gizbarim. Like the Mishnah says, three treasurers. Now, V'asael v'dimot v'yozabad v'eliel the Yismachiahu, Umahat, Ubnayahu, Amarkulim. So they were the supervisors. Those are seven. Now the pasuk continues. Pekidim miyad, Kananyahu, Vishmi, Ahiv. They were the Katlikin. Those two were the overseers above them. So you see, the pasuk gives you three. Then it gives you seven. Then it gives you two. Yeah. and they were appointed by who? Yeskiyahu Amelech, that's King Askiyahu, the Azariahu Nagid Betelohim. And Azariahu was the leader of the house of God. Hamelech, the Kohen Gadol. Azkiyahu was the Melech, and the Nagid Betelohim was the Kohen Gadol. Now, it gives you the system now. Let's say they needed to lock up the funds of the Beta Mikdash. They collected funds, right? They want to have savings. So they need to put a, a seal and a lock on the funds to spend it for a later date. So the Gemara is going to tell us now how careful they were when it came to the Mamon of the Sibur. In order that everybody should know that it's not getting stolen. How? When they would seal the funds, first the Gizbar would put his seal. Everybody had a different seal. So the first seal on the monies was what? From the Gizbar. They give it to the supervisor above him. Amarkol Hotem. He puts his seal above it. He gives it to the overseer. Ketlikun Hotem. And then you give it to the king, and the king puts his seal on it. So everybody's seal is on top of each other. Now when you want to open it, you have to open up in, in, in reverse order. The king looks on top, if he sees his seal there, he knows it wasn't tampered. Okay? He takes his seal off. So therefore, in order to ensure that nobody took from the uh, from the pot, so they would give it to everybody, and he'd have to verify that his hotam is still in place, and then already they would open it. Comes the Gemara and says, 
רב נחמן בשם רבי מנה. על שם, we can base this on a פסוק, because what it say? It says when it comes to monetary uh, appointments, you have to have at least two people involved. So what does it say? Pasuk says, "Vehem yikhu et hazahav ve'et atechelet ve'et argaman." Should have collected money for the mishkan. It says, "Vehem yikhu et hazahav." Two people collected the gold, not one. Moshe and Aaron. Now, even though, could anybody question uh, Moshe and Aaron? So the Gemara is going to say that what? That they did question Moshe and Aaron. And the Gemara's proof is going to be that if Moshe and Aaron were the most honest people, and still, they weren't above the scrutiny of the people. So therefore, they had to do with two people, Kavahom and everybody else. Who else has the honesty of Moshe Rabbeinu to say that they could, you know, manage it alone? So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rabbi Hamma. Rabbi Hamma said, Moshe was very wealthy. Where did he get his wealth from? Oh. From the shavings of the luchot. When they when they they were sapphire. sapphire. The uh, luchot, the tablets were made out of sapphire. So Moshe Rabbeinu chiseled them. So the pasuk says pesol lecha. Pesol lecha means the psolet, the shavings of the chiseling will belong to you. Wow. Pesol lecha shnei luchot abanim. Pesol lecha shetea pesolet shenka. Which means he was rich on his own. Yeah. But what did the people say? We're going to see the people thought that he took from the Bet HaMikdash. So therefore, the Gemara says he has to be with two people just to show an accounting that he didn't. Amar of Hanin. Another interpretation where Moshe Rabbeinu got his wealth from. Mahsav shul abanim tovot umargaliyot baralo akadosh baruchu mitoch aholo. Bore olam put under Moshe Rabbeinu's tent a quarry that had in it all precious stones and all different type of uh, pearls. So he became rich. He was living on a mine. Umimenu he'ashid Moshe. Now Ketiv, the Pasuk says, Ve'bitu ahare Moshe. Ad bo'o ha'ohela. says, they would look at Moshe when he was walking to the tent. They were looking at him from behind. So Tren Amoraim. So the two Amoraim explain. What were they looking at? Had Amad Ignai. Some say they were looking at him in a bad way, in a disparaging way. The Had Amad Shevan. Some say in a praiseworthy way. Madabad Ignai. They would say, Hamon Shakin. Look at Moshe Rabbeinu's legs, his thighs. They're very fat. They were trying to say he must be stealing from the Kodesh and he's eating good. And look at him, he's, he's gaining weight. Hamon Karain, look at his legs. His legs are plump. Hamon Kopoi, look at the fat. He has a lot of flesh. Achil min he's drinking from the Jews. Veshate min he's eating from the Jews and he's drinking from the Jews. Meaning, he's getting all his uh, food and he's gaining his weight from siphoning funds from the Betan, from the Kodesh. So again, so you see if Moshe Rabbeinu, so the Gemara says, Kol medile min they said on Moshe Rabbeinu, anything that he has is from us, is from the Jews. And therefore, if Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't above the screen, you see what you need? You need at least two people. And all they can show an accounting. And some say no. When they looked at Moshe, they said it, the praise. Look at these Sadiqim. It's a zikhut that we have to look at these Sadiqim. Uh, at the Moshe, 
Tuved is chut and Nehemiah. It is a great zechut to be able to even look at Moshe Rabbeinu. Comes the next Mishnah, Halacha Gimat, Mat Eighteen. Now the Mishnah is going to discuss the order of Chotamot that they had in the Beit Hamikdash. In the Beit Hamikdash, if a person needed to get, let's say, Nesachim, uh, he needed, you know, to buy the wine libations for the Beit Hamikdash, so they would have a system. <coughs> there are basically four or five different uh, measurements for Nesachim, for different Korbanot. The Torah tells you exactly the proper measurement. So what they would do is, according to one opinion, they would have four chotamot, four seals, four like uh, tickets. You'd go into the Beit Hamikdash, right? You'd go to the certain uh, guy that was in charge, and you would tell him, you know, what type of korban uh, you need to bring, and he would give you a ticket that would get, be an indication how much wine you need for that korban. Mm-hmm. Now he would take that ticket and go to the wine vendor. And he'd give him the ticket. Redeem it. And redeem it. So he'd pay the guy, get a ticket, go redeem his wine libation from the other vendor, and then he would give him. So what were the four tickets that implied the four different shi'urim of the Nesachim? So it says, Arba'ah, Hotamot, Ayub, Mikdash. V'chatuv alehin. Egel. One out of odds, Egel, which is a little calf. Zachar. Khan is a male. Which the Gemara will explain is about an ayah. It's about a ram. Mm. Because in Aramaic, the... Uh, rams are called uh, Dikhra mm-hmm. Gidi Gidi would be a goat Vechote mm-hmm. And a sinner Again That symbolized The four Different type of Korbanot But basically It's referring to The four different types of Nesachim uh, um, Look at the Taklin Hatin It's three lines After they get wide Arba Chotamot Now Gimel, three of them, the Gimel Nesachin Halukin, are referred to three wine libations, Shil Behemot, of the Behemot. Chotam Rishon, the first seal, Lineskeb Bakar. That's for the Bakar, for the cattle. Then Gimel Astronim Solet, Balul, Behatsiahin Shemin, Behayin Lenetzech, Hatsiahin. Right? Behotmin Egel. And on that one they put the word Egel. Now, Behabed Zachar. What is Zachar? Leneske Ayel. That's for the rams. Shetirgen Dikhra. Zachar, Dikhra, it's a ram. Venesachav, what's the Shi'ur? Bet Esronim Solet, Balul Beshemen Shilishitain, Veyayin Lenesek Shilishitain. Vagimah, the third Hotam was what? Gedi. Leneske Keves Ben Shinato. That was for a Keves, a sheep that was. One year old. Then Esaron Solet Balul Bribiita in Shemin Veyayin Lanesek Bribiitain. Veadalid the fourth seal was what? Chote. Then the Sechav Shal Mesora Ashir Shemevi a Mesora a leper that got over his leprosy who was rich. He has to bring three animals. Mevi Shalosh Beemod Vesarich Yud Lugin Shemin means ten log of Shemin. Legimel Kevasim Veehad. The reason why they call the Mitzora a Chote is because the Gemara says you get Mitzora because of sins. Instead, they refer to them as Chote. So, basically, these four uh, seals will cover all the options for any type of Qurban and will cover the Nesachim. Comes the Gemara, Mishnah says, Ben Azai Omer, Hamishayu. So first of all, there were five seals. 
Hotamot, Ve'aramit, Ketuv Alehim. And since the majority of the people in those days spoke Aramaic, so they would mock them in Aramaic. And what did they say? Egil, okay, that's the same one as the first one. Dekhar, which we mean the Ayil. Gidi, Dal, Ashir. Which means in the Mitzorah, he had two different korbanot. If he was rich, he would bring three animals. If he was poor, he would bring uh, the, the birds. So that was a different, uh, different shiur of Nisachim as well. So they put two separate tickets, one for Choteh Ashir and one for Choteh Dala. Now, Egel, the ticket that has Egel, Mishamesh im Niskeb Bakar, that would be for all animals that came from cattle. Gidoli Muktanim, doesn't matter how old they are. Zechari Mutkebot. Male or female. <coughs> so what, once you got the Egel ticket, you know it covers all this type, type of animals. Ugdi mishamesh in niskeason. The gedi covers sheep. Gedolim uktanim, again, big or small. Zechelim unkebot. Chutz mesher elim. Except for an aisle. Doesn't include the rams. It's a separate one, maybe. Right, rams have a separate uh, separate ticket. Aisle. Meshamesh im neske elim bedvad. I only go comes to the grams. Choteh meshamesh im neske shalosh behemot shel mitzora. Okay, and the choteh is the blood libation and the, the wine libation for the three animals that the mitzora would bring. Now, mishu mevakesh tesachim. That gives you the system how it worked. A guy needed wine. What did he do? Holechlo esel yohanan. He would go to the guy called Yohanan. He was in charge of giving out the, the tokens, or the seals, or the tickets. So you pay. You pay for the amount of wine. You get the seal. Then with the, with the token that you have in your hand, you go to the guy in the bed, that's called Ahaya. You give him the token. Now, in the evening, both Yohanan and Ahaya have to make accounting to see if the register adds up. So it says, so Ahaya would come to Yohanan, uh, etc. Ahaya would take out all the tokens that he has. And Yohanan would have to pay him for each token. So they make sure that Yohanan has enough money to equal the amount of tokens that were given out. In Pahatu, if let's say there was less money, there were more tokens than the money collected, Pahatu, no. Yohanan would have to pay from his own pocket wow. if, the, if there was a shortfall But if there was more money Higdesh gets the money Again, the hand of Higdesh always has the advantage So the losses, Yohanan has to pay The advantages, Higdesh gets Now, Let's say a guy bought Goods. Oh, he bought his token. Yeah, he lost it on the way before he So now, it. what do you do? Police report. So what they do is they wait until the uh, evening. Now, when they balance out the funds, if they see that there's an extra, there's extra payment over here, and there's one extra hotam, uh, there's a, there's a payment over there's, there's there's one less hotam and one extra payment, so you know that the guy. Is legitimate. Not so he really lost it. Not so not you give it to him. However, Imlav, 
לא היו נותנים לו. But if uh, it worked out uh, even, then already you say, okay, you know, maybe the guy's lying or something, or maybe, uh, you know, whatever it is. Now, v'shem היום כתוב עליהן מפני הרמאים. They would write the, uh, the date on the uh, tokens because of the crooks. Now, what, what do these crooks do? So, the Qurban Aida uh, explains over here. The Qurban Aida explains and I read. Which is the word for the guys, let's say somebody lost a token, right? So some Ganav is going to pick it up and steal it. Now, or maybe Ahya dropped it, or maybe Yohanan dropped it. So therefore, we have a date. Now, we're not worried that a guy is going to pick up a token on the day that it was issued. Because the guy's looking for it. Another guy's so another guy's looking for it, so you're not going to steal on the day where the, 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 another guy's looking for that exact token, and you might get caught. So what are we worried about? That after the day, you might pick up a token that was lost, now you come the next day and redeem it. So they put a date on it. They say, hey, you're a wise guy. This date over here, it's expired. So therefore they would uh, ensure that what? That the Ma'im would not uh, take tokens that didn't belong to them. Or another problem. Let's say on uh, one given day, the price of the wine was low. You bought, a lot so you bought a lot of tokens. <laughs> and now what? When the price of wine went up, so now you'd redeem the token, so you end up buying expensive wine for the cheaper price. This is losing. So therefore, they put dates on the tokens so that a will not be able to play any tricks. <laughs>